Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hangtime Podcast. Joining us now, comedian Chelsea Peretti, NBA All-Star Roy Hibbert. Roy is our nation's most treasured actor. He's got chops, he's got talent, and he also has three tickets to Lakers. <laughs> With your host, Elliot Anderson, stuffed it down behind his head. Seku Smith, Lang Whitaker, and Rick Fox. Our next guest should have been our first guest, Isaiah Thomas. How do you think you would play in today's NBA with the rules the way they are? Be honest. Uh, average for <laughs> We will win a lot. <laughs> and it's, it's our main man, Roderick Turner from the Los Angeles Times. Hey, too, can I say this first? <laughs> you know you when can. When I was covering the Lakers, when Rick Fox played, I had hair. They wore me out. Now it's time for the I hope to see him there. Um, I think he deserves to be there. Um, He's going to retire as one of the NBA's greatest players. He's done even beyond his um, play on the floor. He's played as great a role as anyone in the international expansion of the game. You know, we'll see. We'll see what the fans, you know, and the coaches decide, and then we'll go from there. That's NBA Commissioner Adam Silver talking about Kobe Bryant and wanting to see him in Toronto All-Star Weekend as a participant uh, in the action and everything else that goes on. He's going to see him there. I'm guaranteeing he's going to see him there. Um, Seku Smith from the Hangtime Blog at NBA.com. My main man, Lang Whitaker from the All Ball Blog, joining me here on the Hangtime Podcast. Oh, Rick Fox. Where are you, Rick? The third member of the team, starting off 2016 away. (laughs) <laughs> He's carried on for the past few years here on the podcast. You, hey, might, you might hear him. You might not. Um, Happy New Year's, brother. Uh, I know we've taken a couple of weeks off here from the podcast. Glad to be back. Uh, you know, even though we're not millennials and uh, it's not our fault, you know, that everything is going bad in the NBA, according to Robert Sarver. Um, it is good to be back. All-Star Weekend is around the corner, Lang. Um have you given any thought to who should or should not be there uh, in terms of players on the East and West rosters? I, well, I tweeted about this a couple of weeks ago, and I said, I think Kobe Bryant deserves to be there mm-hmm. because this isn't the All-NBA team. This is the All-Star team. Right. And who's a bigger star than Kobe Bryant? <laughs> Apparently, a lot of people agree with me because when those first voting totals came out, Kobe is far and away the leading vote getter this year. Um, right. So I, I think it's pretty much a given that he's going to start uh, in the game this year. And I, I mean, don't you? I mean, are you are you of the same mindset that you know? We don't, it, not rewarding people for the how good they are on the court. I mean, I guess we are in some way, but sure, this is the All Star game. Yeah, and it's funny how these things come full circle. You remember uh, the All Star game here in Atlanta mm-hmm. when. Uh, MJ. Isaiah Thomas was the coach and it was MJ's last all-star and everybody was being asked all the, the current stars were being asked to get on board with sending Jordan out the right way and you know showering him with all this praise they wanted I think it was 
Vince Carter, Paul Pierce, they wanted them to give up their starting spot. Yeah. And everything. Um, I think Vince ended up doing it. Yeah. So it's funny that Kobe now, you know, he's going to get in as voted in, obviously, so it won't matter. Um, but he was the one guy in the entire weekend who didn't seem to be real interested in, you know, sending MJ off, you know, with the with the pat on the, the rear end and thanks for all you've done for the game. So now he's going to get that treatment this this year, which will be interesting. Um, you know, he's he's had his moments, Lang. He it's not like he's completely faded away. He's had some thirty point games. The sure. Lakers the Lakers have actually won some more games. You know, more games than we thought they might. You know, by this stage of the season, but I agree. All Star Weekend is not. Uh, it's not about. What, you know, the validating your season all the time. Sometimes it's about years of service and guys being showered with love and praise. You know, in their twilight years, and I don't have a problem at all. I agree with Commissioner Silver. Um, I just think it's supposed to be fun. Yeah, Kobe's it's... supposed to be a part of it. Yeah, he, there's no way. In his 20th and final season, especially not in a place where he had one of his greatest moments. I mean, it's it's in Toronto, where he where he, the team rather you know yeah, that he had yeah the team he had the 81 points against. I mean, all do of you that. think well? So if you think he should be a part of it, do you think he should start? That's up to the fans, and we always have this argument. You know, if they vote him in, I got no problem with it because that's the process yeah. and that's the way it works. Now. If it was a matter of the the coaches or the you know the, selecting him right. over a more deserving guy, then it's a different story. But I don't you know hey the will of the fans shall be done All Star Weekend, and they want Kobe and I and I know why I understand why I think it's the prudent thing to do. Uh, right. And I mean, if th- you're if you're going by just merit on the basketball court this season, then. No matter who he gets in over, he he's probably getting in over. Yes, yeah, he's getting over on somebody. <laughs> yeah, but but if you're going by, uh, you know, these other kind of vague things that we can't really quantify, right? Uh, other than like stardom and and well, I guess you can't quantify it if if you can count up fan votes. But uh, these other things that that we're trying to to see who deserves to be there in a star game, then uh, yeah. I don't it's know an if exhibition. there's anyone. Other than him, who should be there? And it's an exhibition. It's not like this is on. You know, this is going down on somebody's ledger. Right. Um, it's an exhibition, and it is a celebration of the league. And, you know, at that time of year when the NFL's over, you know, and and all eyes are on the NBA come All Star Weekend, you'd look foolish if Kobe wasn't front and center and a main figure. And what's going to go on during All Star Weekend? I, I mean, I, again, I I don't know how it's it's strange. I've talked to some players, current and and guys who are not playing anymore, coaching now and doing other things, how they feel about Kobe's farewell tour, and right. they haven't been nearly as warm and fuzzy about it. Some of these guys, as I thought they'd be, it's, it cracks me up. I talked to one uh, former player who's coaching now; he'll remain nameless. Um, for fear of him knocking me out for telling this story. But, <laughs> I, you know, I saw him early in the year, and I asked him, I said, man, what you? it was right after Kobe, you know, announced he was retiring. And he was doing these post-game press conferences or pre-game press conferences where he was all lovable and huggable and, you know. And he was like, man, it is the – he's like, I can't get over how fake he is right now. And I was like, what? And he's like, 
it's phony. He's like, this dude's the ultimate competitor. And to see him out there laughing and smiling and being all nice to everybody nice, like, it's just completely phony. He was, I mean, he was literally upset that Kobe was I going out. Like, he, he's like, I wanted to see him go out the way, you know, I remember competing against him with a smile, you know, a I, snarl on his face and playing I the villain. The most, the most obvious um, place where he, it seems like it's, it's a, a departure for Kobe is in these press conferences. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's answering questions. And he, he seems so excited to answer these questions. Because <laughs> he knows he won't have answers. to answer them again next year. <laughs> I guess so. But it's, it, that's the oddest thing to me is seeing him in these press conferences every night. Uh, talking about, you know, seeming like he's just enjoying talking to the media and how much fun it is. And, uh, I mean, that's the part to me that's that's kind of jarring. Yeah. I think the fact that Kobe's uh... – He's never done anything that wasn't calculated. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I'm saying he's always had a plan and and been the kind of guy who's plotting his course. So I don't think this is something that's happening organically. I think this is Kobe doing Kobe. You know, he's going to go out on his terms and do it the way he wants to do it. And uh, I don't have a problem with that. But I, I do think it's an interesting discussion, um, you know, about – what his role should be All-Star Weekend. The fans are going to determine that. Um, and I know we got a couple more returns on the All-Star voting, you know, coming in. Got one in. tomorrow. Got one, yeah, got one coming up. Uh, and you'll be all over that. So that that will determine what his position is in terms of playing. But yeah. it, I think that ethically, you know, you think about it, and it's like, is this fair to the guys who are busting their tails and having great 2015 2016 seasons and it leaves it open for a different kind of debate um and a, a debate line that we should have with our guests uh on the first podcast of 2016 here nba <laughs> tv's greg anthony uh joining us here man i know you work in late hours ga so we appreciate you getting up and hanging out with us a little bit here on the podcast um what are your thoughts about kobe and, and commissioner adam silver saying that Kobe needs to be uh, an integral part of what goes on during All-Star Weekend in Toronto this year. Uh, well, first, Happy New Year to you, gentlemen. Yes, sir. Uh, Thank you, sir. I, I would, I would say I have no problem. I, I would, I would agree. I, I think it's, it's. I think you always want to reward and pay homage to those who, you know, dedicated themselves and and have done things in our game that very few have accomplished. Mm. Um, so I have no issue with it. It's basically always been the case. I didn't have an issue with it with Magic, uh, with Michael, with whomever the truly greats have been over the course of the, the history of this game. And I think that's a tradition that we should continue. Um, you know, I know not everyone may agree with that, but, you know, it, it is kind of a lifetime achievement award. And if you factor in the way All-Star Weekend typically materializes it's always been about a popularity contest let's yeah. be real i mean we don't typically vote necessarily for the five starters who've had the best seasons we vote for the five guys we want to see yeah. right and i think by virtue of what's materialized over the course of this serenade of, or coronation for kobe that, that speaks volumes that people want to have the opportunity to say they saw that last all-star game uh, appearance uh, or saw him play his last game in a, a particular arena. And, and I think it's good for our game that we do uh, reward guys who've had the kinds of career that, that Kobe Bryant has had. 
Greg, what do you think about the, the rest of the guys um, being selected by the fans? I know, like, you know, we talk about it. It's an all-star game. It's not an all-pro game. People say, oh, it doesn't really matter. Obviously, it still matters to, like, John Wall wasn't <laughs> thrilled with the first returns yeah. when they came in. <laughs> um, what's your thought on, on the fans having the vote and deciding who gets in to start the games? I'm a fan of it. <laughs> to be honest with you, uh, it, listen, I mean, the people voting are going to be the ones watching. And yeah. that's yeah. what they want to see. And and quite frankly, you know, and I get what John Wall is saying, but, you know, right now with the way the Wizards are playing, I don't know that I'd say John Wall has been an all-star. Right. So I, I get that. And in Kyrie's case, too, you could also make the argument, well, should a guy be punished just for being hurt, you know? Uh, to me, I, whatever the fans want in that respect, I, I'm for. Now, I think one way you could offset that is increase the, the all-star roster. I don't know why we haven't, if you think about it. We've increased the size of the league. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, we, we, we got eight more teams, I think, or whatever the number is, and yet we haven't increased the amount of all-stars we have. I don't think that makes any sense. We have 15-man mm. rosters. Why wouldn't we have 15-man all-star games? Yeah, that's a great point. That's great you know, point. so you add three more guys that way, and to me, that that's the easiest way to resolve this whole conversation, and and it's a win-win because I think the fans should be rewarded with the opportunity to vote and determine who they want to see. It's their game as much as it is anyone else's, and you know you're going to still have guys that are on the bubble with 15, but you added three more spots. In terms of a roster, that's 60% of the starting five. So you can then also reward guys who feel like they have a beat. Um, so I, I think that, to me, is the easiest, most pragmatic way to go about, you know, eliminating a lot of the the conversation out there about voting for the All-Star game and also still being able to reward and identify those guys who, you know, have had a good first half of the season. And to your point, remember, this is not about – whether or not you make the all-pro team right, uh, or anything like that, to me, that you still have those opportunities uh, to, to, to be recognized by your peers and those who, who cover the game. Right. Greg Anthony of NBA TV joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. GA, uh, this subject hits home for me, having uh, teenagers. I, I know it may for you as well. Um, <laughs> this idea from that Robert Sarver suggested that the the millennials in the NBA right now are thin-skinned, can't handle adversity, uh, and in some form or fashion are to blame for the struggles of the Phoenix Suns. It caught me off guard (laughs) for him to say that, (laughs) knowing that I have to pick and choose my spots in how I talk publicly to and about my kids. Um, Yeah. Did you think that was wise on his part just for what it means in the future for the Suns and how you are viewed by players around the league? I don't think it was wise. Mm-hmm. And I would even say it was borderline ignorant. <laughs> um, to be honest with you, and I yeah. have a lot of respect for Robert Sarver. Don't get me wrong. But right. to make a comment like that, to generalize something like that, because you seem to be having issues. When I look around the league and I see all of these young guys that are consummate pros and, and having success, I don't – to me, it was almost a millennial statement. <laughs> you know, he sounded like a millennial. Right. A comment like that because, 
you know, again, I don't see his brother having that issue in Detroit. Right. You know, I mean, I just, I, I just thought it was almost petty and, and somewhat petulant to, to make a comment like that, man. I mean, listen, everybody, you know, we're all kind of wired differently. Some guys react and respond to adversity differently, yeah. you know. And, and, and I will say a lot of times when we struggle in this game, it brings out the, the ugly side of our character. Um, so I, I just thought it wasn't a real wise. I think you make a, a really good point, Sekou. You you also now have an in, you know you, you could potentially impact how free agents view you as an owner. Yeah. And your team. So you, you got to be really careful with those kinds of comments, um, and stick to the specifics of your team. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can generalize a generation. Yeah. Because you're having an issue with with a guy. And I don't even know if he's the issue now based on those comments. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't know what's going on with Phoenix. They obviously underachieved in their eyes. And that, you know, like I said, that brings about a lot of frustrations and, 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 and some off-the-cuff comments that I, I'm sure he might regret yeah. moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I wrote this earlier today on NBA.com. I mean, the Golden State Warriors are a whole team of millennials, right? <laughs> <laughs> they're they're being coached by a millennial. Like I think they, they don't seem to be having these problems either. So I agree. Yeah. Like you said, I think it's a sort of a case by case basis. Um, is there a team like the last two three weeks that's caught your eye? You've had your eye on a team that's sort of you think might have made the leap and become a a team we should uh, keep our eye on as a playoff contender. Well, as a playoff contender, you know, there's a couple. I mean, I think I think Chicago is a team that's shown a new level of life. Huh. Yeah. Uh, here, you know, they won five in a row. Watching the game last night, it was the best I thought Derrick Rose has looked mm-hmm. this year. And, and I'm not just looking at the numbers. He looked a step quicker. Mm-hmm. He looked more explosive. He looked more athletic. And, and obviously that – to me, that 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 means he's more confident. Um, I really thought he he looked he looked old, and I know he's not old. But sometimes when your mind isn't where it needs to be, it affects the body. Obviously, I thought last night he looked he looked like the Derrick Rose of old. Yeah, um, just very just man. He just was starting to physically impose himself on the game. Which, if that happens, and Jimmy Butler continues. You know, to play like he's playing on the last two games, he's only averaging 36. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's, you know, you think what what else they have. You know, they now Bobby Portis is getting some opportunities and showing he can be productive. You think about this without Noah. I mean, that that team is starting to 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 show. I, I think, you know, the Thunder they haven't put it all together. You know, obviously Durant being out in that last game, but. They're right there, but but to me, it's still about those usual suspects. You know, the Warriors, the Spurs, uh, Cleveland, but I do think Chicago and Oklahoma City Thunder are in the conversation. And I will say this too: listen, the Clippers. Maybe huh. the best thing that's happened to them is nobody's talking about them. I mean, yeah. without Blake yeah. Griffin, they quietly won six in a row. You know, they're playing good basketball. But you know, and having said all that, guys, the one team that I always come back to is the Dallas Mavericks. Huh. And it's so weird to look at this team, but 
again, nobody's thinking they're going to do anything. But when you look at all the chaos we have in the league with all the parity, that's a team that's got a, some guys on it that have won a championship, a coach on it that's been around a lot of championships. Um, and they're just there, you know. Darren Williams had a, a, remar- a remarkable game last night for him. Obviously, Dirk is consistent. Wesley Matthews, you know, is starting to get it. They got a lot of really just good basketball players. You go back to the year they won it. They didn't have a ton of all-stars on that team. Obviously, they've had a few Hall of Famers. You know, Jason Kidd was there, and, and Dirk was in, in having a great year. But they've got a lot of just good basketball players. And, and in a year where you get the right matchup in that Western Conference, all of a sudden you could see yourself making a little run in, into the postseason. And then at that point, guys, anything's possible. Right. Greg, when you played, how long – throughout the course of a season did it take for y'all to figure out exactly what you had? I mean, we talk about how teams are looking the first week of January. When was that point in the season you knew, okay, this is our ceiling, this is our potential, you know, and and, and does it take an entire regular season to, to really figure that out? I, I think it depends on the makeup. And, I, and, and by that, you, you take a veteran team that's core has been together, like Golden State, mm-hmm. it don't take long, right? They're, yeah. They're, coming off and winning a championship. They don't even have their coach. <laughs> and, and, you know, they know who they are. Other teams, though, because we had so many contenders make so many different moves, whether it be coach and personnel or a combination of both, it could take – I'd like that first of January. To me, it's, I, I, you need a good 30 games <clears throat> to, to at least have an idea of what you might be. Because if you're putting in new systems, uh, new terminology – new roles, all that. that stuff takes time. And typically you take a couple steps back before you take some forward. Now, there's always exceptions to that rule. San Antonio comes to mind. I mean, you, you think about a team that's made a tremendous transition. How about that? Their two best players, you know, one of them wasn't on the team a year ago. Right. And the other was just starting to come into himself in Kawhi Leonard. Now they're clearly the two best players on that team. But their transition has been pretty seamless. Uh, but that's that's more the exception to the rule. I, I just think it takes a while. I think you're seeing that with the Clippers right now. Mm-hmm. It took them a long time. They made a lot of personnel moves. And they're, and they're still figuring it out. They, it could take longer for them, too, because they still got guys that aren't a part of the rotation that might end up being in another 20, 30 games. Can the coach keep guys patient? Can you keep them engaged? It's going to be a tremendous challenge for Doc Rivers. But it, it takes time, man. It, it, it just – I don't think there's an exact formula, but I, I do know that it's going to take a good two, three months before you, even as a coaching staff in a front office, you know, you you, you got to not get caught up because it's easy to pull a trigger. I mean, I felt that the Rockets overreacted in firing uh, Kevin McHale. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and that's not to take anything away from J.B. Bickerstaff, but I think they were three games under when they fired him. Yeah, four and seven. Yeah. yeah, I think they two games under now. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's not like, it's not like that's done a whole lot for them, per se. Um, but it could change the dynamic of the team moving forward because of the White Howard situation. So, yeah. you know, you got to be careful. Instead of looking so much at your record, I'm looking at what what's going on in the league. I mean, because everybody's kind of going to it, through it, right? Yeah. I mean, really, yeah. there's only two teams that have played at a consistent level the whole year. Everybody else has had their struggles. I mean, Cleveland's had their struggles. Sure. I mean, everybody and and. The key is to not panic because 
your goal is still in front of you. Yeah. You know, so much basketball left, so much to be determined in the postseason, so many teams still in the running for the postseason. You know, you think about how poorly New Orleans started the season out. And, and you know, you look up, they're still, you know, four, three, four games out of the playoffs. Right, right. You know, and because of the makeup of the league. Last year, they wouldn't have had a chance, right? They would have <laughs> been not in the West. They games out at this point. Yeah, not in the Maybe West. nine. Yeah. So I, I, I think everything's relative. You know, you can't get so caught up in what's going on with you that you don't look at the landscape of the league. And if, if relative to where everybody else is, you're still your goals are attainable, man. It's it's not a time to panic, but a time to be more patient. Yeah, that makes that makes complete sense. Greg Anthony of uh, NBA TV joining us. Gee, I, the other thing that that struck me about the you know we go through the Christmas games and and get into the new year. Um, is is thinking about these teams and what they're going to do leading into the trade deadline. And I, I was in a, in a GM's office recently, and, you know, they all have the board with every team's roster in the league up. Yeah. Daydreaming, you know what I mean, daydreaming about who they could pluck from somebody's bench that could help their team. And we always get amped up for tr- the trade deadline, and a lot of times it's a letdown in terms of blockbuster deals or big deals happening. Has has it changed to you, you know, based on the current situation with the CBA and the mechanics of the league, where maybe the, the deadline is not where you fix your team? Maybe it's the draft and free agency more so than than the trade deadline. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think you know that new salary cap also is going to have you thinking completely different Mm -hmm. because it's now changed. I mean, you're going to have that over the next two years. I think you're going to have a a bump close to 20 mil each of the next two seasons. So that's going to change a lot of the philosophy, I think, and the thinking of some teams moving forward because now, you know, we got to see how does that change how you make up a roster? You know, because before, under the old deal, it was pretty much you could pretty much pay three guys around that max number. Does that now go to four? <laughs> you know, like like we got to see how which philosophy is going to make the most sense because you're going to have, I think, competing ones. You know, in terms of how guys approach this, right? Um, and I, I, you know, to me, that's that's going to make it real interesting moving forward. I mean, you can still a lot of these teams. What makes it also, something to think about, there's so many of these teams that legitimately can say we're a player away. Yeah. You know, because there's, there's, there is more parity. I, I, I've said this on the air. You know, since our league's gone to 30 teams, we've never had this much parity before. Mm-hmm. You know, we really only have two bad teams. I mean, normally, you, we, you know, most years, there's like five or six <laughs> bad teams. Yeah. You really only have two. You know, and by bad, I mean – it doesn't matter what they do oftentimes. They're not going to determine whether or not they can win the game. Right. That, to me, is what determines what a bad team is. Now, mm-hmm. you know, that that's there's only two of those. So because you've got that kind of parity now in the league, you know, the right move can make or break you. You know, and, and, and it's a matter of, okay, do we want to be patient? Because a lot of people, I, you know, obviously haven't played a, a lot of my career with the Knicks. I, mm-hmm. I, I get a lot of chatter from folks there and, Everyone's talking about, oh, you know, if we make this move or that move. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You, you won you won 17 games all of last year. Yeah. You've already won 17. And you want to go make this move 
that ain't going to be guaranteed because we see it all the time on paper. You know, remember Charlotte made that great move to go get Lance Stevens and how well that was going to work out. <laughs> Almost got the coach fired. Right. You know, he gets traded. Like, you're not guaranteed on paper it's going to work. So sometimes you are better off just being patient and, you know, continuing to grow. And and, and, and I thought the Knicks are a perfect example. They did, Them and Minnesota are the two teams, even though Minnesota's had their struggles here of late, but two teams that I felt like really – I like their approach this past off season, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of what they were able to do and, and they're moving in the right direction. Two totally different fan bases, obviously a lot more pressure in New York, but sure. you know, sometimes you, you can't just win overnight, man. And, and I think some teams panic, go make wholesale changes. And all of a sudden now you, you've taken two steps back and sometimes you can't recover from that just because of the way the league is set up. Um, I, I point that out, too, because we're having a discussion um, up in the bullpen at NBA.com before I came down. And somebody pointed out, you do realize that Joe Johnson is making more this season than Steph Curry will make this season and next season combined. And I was like, whew. You know, when you look at just when guys fall into free agency and how to structure the, you know, whether you're under the current CBA right. or the old one, it's just – if you told somebody – you know, on the street that, hey, you know, we're going to pay, pay Joe Johnson twice as much as Steph Curry this season for whatever Steph does the next two years. And Steph is in the prime, you know, entering in the prime of his career. They'd slap you. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, they'd reach out and slap you. But, but that's Steph, the way it goes. Yeah. Steph also, he took a little less, didn't he, when he signed that deal with, with Golden State, the last one? He didn't well, have a choice. Steph also, Steph also wasn't Steph. Yeah, he didn't have yeah. a choice then. Today. And let's also remember – some other guys wouldn't be on that roster right now. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have been able to play Clay Thompson. Yeah, right. You know that so the the reason they're where they are is because he's making less. Yeah, yeah. And he'll get it on the back end. And I would argue with you, based on the numbers I've heard from his Under Armour deal, Joe Johnson ain't making more. Than <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think Steph's all right. That's kind of like that MJ. Remember when MJ was making like. Like the fourth or fifth played highest player on on the team, right? And everybody talked about it, but I was like, "Well, when you factor in what he's making off the court, right. he's fine because he, he wants to win. Because he knows, okay, if we win, and I don't make as much here on the front end, I make it up there. And I think Steph's got that approach now. He's so marketable. Yeah, he's smart enough to know, and he's still going to get it after next yeah. season, You're right? You yeah, I know. I, listen, so, I know guys who played in your era probably looking at these salaries and going, "Ooh, if I was just born a couple years later." I mean, because yeah, exactly. the money is ridiculous when you, I mean, you know, when you look at the guys who are making, you know, these monstrous contracts, um, and it's just a different. Like I said, it's a different world. It's today's NBA, not yesterday's, and it's a part of the landscape. So it is, and and listen, I, and I'm one of those guys. You know, everybody always talks about the good old days. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, that's just because you don't want to remember the bad ones. <laughs> the, you know, the, I think, the, listen, the talent's better. The guys are smarter. There's more athleticism. It's more of a fun watch today mm-hmm. than it's been in a long time. Our guys are more likable. Yeah. You know, they, they our game transcends race, which is a big deal as well. Right. You know, our, our game's still predominantly black, but we don't necessarily see our guys as black athletes you know like yeah. that to me is a real positive and that's one reason why the popularity is growing for our game it's been a global game for a while and and i think that just makes 
for a more enjoyable watch. And I think that's starting to play out. It, it's great that we have so many more competitive teams and these guys are making the salaries they are. Yeah. We're all benefiting. We're all still involved with the game. Right. You know, I mean, who'd have thought 20 years ago, you know, you'd have your own network 24 hours, you know. Right. You'd have all these multiple networks showing all these games. You'd be getting $2 billion a year for TV. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy to see where we as a society have gone in terms of sports, but you know, it's it's compelling. It's still the only thing that we can watch, and we have no idea what the hell's going to happen. You know, that's, that's part of what makes it so compelling. No question about it. Greg Anthony of NBA TV, join us here on the Hangtime Podcast. Listen, man, we appreciate your time. We know you're busy. Um, always appreciate your perspective and talking to you about the game. Um, and I'll see you somewhere in the green room at some point, I'm sure, in the next <laughs> oh, couple days. Oh, you know, my man. Hey, I lo- love you guys' the show, man. A lot of fun and, and love the passion and, and love you guys have for the game, man. It it, it, it all helps to, to make our game special. So No doubt. Always a pleasure. No doubt. Thanks, Thanks Jay. All right, guys. Be good. The, the great Greg Anthony joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast. He is he is one of the more interesting people, too, Lang, that you get a chance to have conversations with. Um, you know, I, I tell somebody, if they ever filmed the, the, what goes on in the green room before some of the shows that come on NBA TV, it would be ratings gold, but more often than not, it would have to go on, like, HBO or Showtime. Like. <laughs> one thing he's one thing he said, it got me thinking, and I started doing the math as he was talking. Mm-hmm. He was talking about the parity around the league. Yeah. There's four teams right now in the Eastern Conference that are not in the playoff top eight, but they would be if they were in the Western Conference. I know, which is, <laughs> which is a striking argument that we yet, never used to have. Um, yeah, I mean, it's incredible that the, the, the Knicks yes. would be in the playoffs if they were in the West, but yeah. they're not because they're in the East. Two sub-500 teams in the West would be in, yeah. which has always been the big gripe about the Eastern Conference. Um the West is top heavy. I mean, you got Golden State sure. and San Antonio, San Antonio, first two teams to thirty wins, and they're you know the number one team in the East, Cleveland. You know, is single digit losses, but only twenty three wins. Which you know, the third team in the West has twenty four. When Oklahoma City has, it's it's to me it's it's hard to compare until you get down to those teams like you mentioned, the ones at the bottom of the standings. Because that's really what illustrates to me what kind of depth you have. Like, how strong is the conference? And you base it on the teams after the top four to me. That's a a much more equitable argument, I guess. Um, You know, Memphis, who struggled out the gate, you know, they're back above 500. They're in the Western Conference mix. But Houston and Utah, you know, those aren't considered top flight teams this year. And and they would both be in right now if the playoffs started um, today. I mean, it's what about a team like Washington? Like you know, as he mentioned, uh, they've yeah. struggled some in the season. But I think on the whole, they're they probably had the talent to be a playoff team. Yes, if they if, you know if bounces go right, you get guys healthy. Who knows how it? How they're twelfth in the East right now. I know. <laughs> you know. I know. So um, it's just a just a much more as he said. I think it's a much more interesting time because you have more teams competing for these playoff spots and we're not guaranteed to know exactly how these things go down you know San, i think about san antonio last year to, being at that last game of the regular season when new orleans had to beat them to get in right you know and you think wow you know this does wonders for new orleans and it seriously hampers the spurs because they go from two or three to six in the standings and it changes their playoff picture well 
the the Pelicans lasted all of four games, you know, against the Warriors <laughs> in the first round. Right. And so so neither team really benefited that night to me. Um, and Monty Williams ended up getting fired, and the Spurs didn't. You know, it, it it did exactly what I thought it would do to them. It put them in a precarious position, and they went out earlier probably than some people thought they might have. So it, there's so much of it that's unknown, Lang, that it is hard to really get a gauge outside of those elite teams as to who will be there when it matters come playoff time. You know, and and I think that's a that is what makes keeping up with the games night after night. You know, I watched your Hawks. Played the Knicks what seventeen times in the last week. <laughs> Somebody asked me if there's a secret <laughs> playoff series that's going on between these teams. I know it's like one of those <laughs> high school deals where you play the same team in your district like seven times. It's like what? But the, you know, yeah. I, I watch it and think, wow, you know, just on matchups alone, if the Knicks get in the playoffs, you, I'm, I don't know, it could be they could be a real pain for somebody based on yeah, the way that team is made up. That'd be a good series against the Hawks. Just yeah. watching them play the last year. Just keep Bazemore away from Porzingis. <laughs> that was a nice little stare down. I was like, okay. I mean, it, was, it would have been and a Porzingis stare down. Didn't had to, he had to stare down at the top of uh, Bazemore's head. I mean, <laughs> Bazemore was just staring down his, his throat, staring down his jersey. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was it. Was interesting stuff, man. I, again, we need to give a shout out to Greg Anthony for uh, joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast this week. Nice way to kick off 2016 here on the show. And uh, speaking of kicking it off, we got some bragging rights from 2015. It's time for bragging rights as the guys put their rep on the line. I thought you were going to say, speaking of kicking it off, we we're going to kick Rick Fox off the podcast. <laughs> he ah, knows, he's, yeah. like, he's got a lifetime membership. We, you know, we'll take him when he can show up. That's our guy. Exactly. That should have happened a long time ago. <laughs> they got mudslides in California again. I don't know. Like we had, uh, I just want to make sure he's in one piece out there. Um, what do we got, Greg? All right, guys. Well, it now appears that all three of you are seven and eight. Yes, I'm back. Top the standings. It's like yes. the Eastern Conference. Guess exactly. who's back? Parody, baby. So this week's games will start Friday night. Mm-hmm. Andrew will be uh, Rick Fox's lucky picker. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about revoking that privilege because usually when he picks for Rick, Rick does really well. Yeah. Well, because Andrew probably watches more of the game. In our case, it's it's there's a lot of parody, but it's P A R O D Y. <laughs> All right. Uh, so first game, Toronto at Washington, ooh. Friday night. Point guard battle, Demar Derozan. I'm going to take Toronto. I'm going to go see him tonight. Maybe I'll yeah. give him a pep talk. I, mean, I was so, going to say. Tell 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 Kyle Lowry and the rest of the the boys that get it cranked up. I'm gonna go with the Raptors as well. I think they're, I think they're a better team um, than the Wizards, and I, and I don't know for sure what you get from this Wizards team from night to night. Sometimes I've watched them and been impressed, and other times I watch them going, "What in the world is going on?" And waiting for Randy Whitman to go, Mike Leo and send the post game. Next question. <laughs> I know Rick would go go with Canada, so. Toronto. Yeah, he the North. He he definitely go with Canada. All I right. thought you were gonna say so Washington. <laughs> Where's Canada? Um, second game will be Sunday night, and this game is actually for Andrew. It's the Charlotte oh, no. Hornets at the Denver Nuggets. Man, we why ne- is this for Andrew? We never put the Nuggets on here. That's why he grew. Well, he he lived in Denver. He's a big Nuggets guy. He needs to pick first then. He's going to be more worried the, about the Broncos. Going the Nuggets, home team. 
Yeah, you better be worried. About hey, didn't we have somebody else around? You should always hype up the the, yeah. the Broncos and see where that got him. See where that got him. Uh, I don't know about that one. I'll take Denver. <sighs> I'm gonna stick with the the parody and, and go with the Nuggets as well. <laughs> All right, next Tuesday on NBA TV. Yeah, fan. Chicago at Milwaukee. Yeah, the Steve Ashburner Bowl. I like it. Uh, I'm going with Chicago, even though Milwaukee, I watched Milwaukee Lang when they played in Oklahoma City last week. They're they're a weird team. They they're so long and I, they're like the Billy Knight All Stars. They're the most <laughs> lean, long, and athletic team I can think of. I thought you were going to talk about the haircuts. No, 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 no. They're not rocking. They, they do have some interesting haircuts. Um, but they 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 can cause problems for some teams, you know, with that athleticism and all that length. You I get in the so. lane and you can't do anything. I agree, but I think Chicago is not one of those teams that can cause problems. For I agree. I'll, I'm I'll going with the Bulls. Bulls. Yes, I'm definitely yeah. going with the Bulls. But Well, just to change it up, I'll go with the home team. Yes. Yes. Bye, Rick. That's Rick going back down in the standings, baby. Hey, I love Rick's it. Rick's either going to take the lead <laughs> or they're going to have a three-way tie again next week. He won't be around to know about it anyway, so we'll just fudge the numbers when he gets back. and put. Let's just put him in the basement until he gets back, and he'll wonder, like, wait, what? What, what happened to my pigs? Um, shout out to Greg Anthony, NBA TV, joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast. Happy New Year and all that good stuff. Welcome to 2016, and we'll see you right here. Next week on the Hangtime Podcast. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. And be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And as always, say Kuna Matata.